Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, as hard as it is to believe, you preached this past Sunday on the first day of May 2022. That's it. And we started off by talking about having the right question and the right answer to that question. And a lot of things in life that brings questions to us, lots of things we'd like to know. But what we focused upon was what I believe are the four most important questions as we think about our relationship with the Lord. It's a simple lesson about salvation. It's there on our website. You can watch it or listen to it. I encourage you to do that. But we kind of built this around four questions. And the questions were, what do we need to know? And, you know, some people, that very question stops them because they feel like they have to know everything about the Bible and that's a lifelong journey. And no one will ever get to the point where I know everything there is to know about the Bible. But what we found in our study was I need to know the truth about myself. And that is that I am a sinner. And then I need to know the truth about Jesus and that he is our Savior. That's what I need to know. The second question we kind of moved to was, what is it that I need to believe to be saved? And that is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he came and died for our sins. And we looked at several concepts about what sin is and all those things that kind of wrapped around that. From that, we led to a third question, that is, what must I do? Three times in the book of Acts, that question is asked, what must we do? And the people back then understood that there was something that they were supposed to do. And we just looked at in the book of Acts how those questions were answered. And each time we see the subject of water baptism coming up every single time. That's something we must do, as the Bible says. Then that led to the last question, and that is, what do I have to keep doing? Because I can lose my salvation if I don't stay with Jesus. And so that answer was just look through scriptures and we must keep growing and changing and being what God wants us to be. And that's a concept that we kind of looked at, the right question and the right answer. I appreciated how even before you looked at those four questions, you took us back and you put a face on this whole idea. Uh, a man in Matthew chapter 19 where you used his example to show us uh, from this episode in the life of Jesus. It's important for us to ask the right question, and it's just important for us, uh, as important for us to get the right answers. And so that man in Matthew chapter 19, you highlighted how he asked the right question, he asked the right person, and he received the right answer. Such a basic grid through which to think, but something we cannot take for granted as individual disciples, as those seeking to learn more about God, certainly as parents, grandparents teaching our children to think wisely and critically in the world around us. We need to ask the right questions. We need to ask the right sources. 
And then when we get the right answers to our right questions, we need to start building our lives right there. And I would just echo what you said. Even though it is a a very basic sermon, such an important message that we internalize as disciples of Jesus, we're ready to share. You mentioned it's on the website. It's never been easier to share that sort of material than in our own day and age, and I would certainly encourage our our podcast audience, if you haven't had the opportunity to watch or to listen to that sermon from this past Sunday morning, the right question and the right answer, do that and then share it with someone who needs those answers that we're talking about. Of course, Roger, we could spend the rest of our time looking through those four questions, but I thought for the next few minutes here in the middle of the week, I would take us back actually to to your introduction of the sermon. And you told the story of a preacher who was talking about someone else and maybe an important lesson or two even that we can learn. Yes, absolutely. His name is Alistair Begg. He's a Scottish uh, descendant, but he now preaches in Cleveland, Ohio. Love his Scottish accent. I mean, you can just <laughs> listen to somebody like that all day long. And so the story he tells is he was vacationing in California, and he was at this church, and he's just sitting in there as a, a participant. He wasn't preaching that day. And as the services began, it began with loud music and all kinds of things going on. And then the preacher got up. And the first words out of the preacher's mouth was, hey, how do y'all feel today? And that just struck Beg the wrong way. He, you know, he, he, he went through a scenario of ways he felt, and he didn't feel good that day. Uh, he talked about spilling the coffee and stepping on the dog and getting an argument about parking spaces and all those things. And, and basically, I don't feel very good. He then transitioned to say the better question, the best question would be, what do I know? Do I know God? Do I know Jesus? And we use that to kind of lead into our sermon this past Sunday about right questions to ask. And But today, let's kind of go back and talk about that idea, uh, even as we think about services beginning, how there are some expectations and some things that flow with that. All right. So let's start with the how do you all feel? <laughs> Why is that not a, a great question to use maybe to, to begin a service, even if I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of, okay, it's the Lord's Day. Around here, we refer to that as the best day of the week. We we talk that up for hopefully obvious reasons. Number one, it belonging to the Lord. Why even before I come to that assembly of Christians is how do I feel not a great place to start? Well, first of all, our feelings are are very fickle, and they change a lot. Uh, a lot of us don't have the same feeling at the same moment. Uh, that this, you know, a parent with a husband and wife just sitting down and watching a movie. You know, uh, it, it may be one of those little chick flicks, and she may just be tearing up, and she looks over at him, and he's sleeping. <laughs> they, they don't have the same reaction. They don't have the same feelings about things. And all through the scriptures, feelings are never the basis of right or wrong. 
How you feel about something doesn't mean you're saved. How you feel doesn't mean you're necessarily right. There is a biblical order, and when we look at that order, feelings always are the last thing. Great place is Acts chapter 8 when we read about the Ethiopian eunuch. And he's traveling along this chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah, and Philip comes up to him, starts talking to him, and we see three major principles taking place. In verse 35, it says, Philip opened his mouth, beginning with scripture, he preached to him Jesus. That's facts. That's where we always have to begin with. We have to begin with a foundation of scriptures. From that, as they traveled along, he saw water and says, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip, verse 37, said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That's faith. Fact is first and then faith. To have faith without facts means your faith stands on nothing. Your faith will be blown away by the storms. Facts come first, then comes our faith. And then it says at the very end of the story here, after the eunuch was baptized, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. There's the feelings. Feelings follow faith, which follows fact. Fact, faith, feelings. That's the biblical concept. But in our world today, it's just the opposite. Feelings come first, then faith, and then maybe a little bit of facts. And so you ask somebody, are you a Christian? Yeah, I am. How do you know? I just feel great. Well, that, that's not the biblical answer. You, you feel good today, you may not feel good tomorrow. And so, so it's very important that what you know must come before what you feel. Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate it. I, I think that's a powerful example from the book of Acts. And it strikes me as you're describing that, and I'm thinking from the standpoint of, okay, an assembly of Christians. If we get up there and we begin with, how do you all feel? Um Who's the main character <laughs> it, within the scope of that question? It's me, right? And that appeals to a whole lot of people. There are a whole lot of religious assemblies, religious organizations, religious motivations, uh, where it is all about the audience. Let's figure out what the audience wants. Let, let's figure out what the audience is interested in, and we'll craft everything around them. We'll try and figure out what will keep the audience, uh, keep them entertained, keep them occupied, keep them jazzed and excited. And what we're doing with that sort of a frame of mind is putting ourselves right there at the center of everything. So let me just ask you, Roger, if you're trying to tell someone why that's a that's a faulty place to begin. Why can't we be at the center, for instance, of a, an assembly of worship? Well, the center has to be God. And, and from, from the Old Testament through the New Testament, it's always God. It, it is so interesting when you read in the book of Numbers about the layout of the tribes. They had so many tribes on the east side, the west side, north side, and the south side. But in the very middle was the tabernacle. God's presence. God has to be the center. 
Psalmist would say in Psalms 34, verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And that flow goes all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that is God is the center. Uh, when John in Revelation chapter 4 got to see behind that door and see heaven, first thing he tells us about is the throne, God on the throne. So when we move God off center and we start talking about our feelings, you know, I kind of feel kind of puny today, so let's do something exciting, or I feel on top of the world, let's just keep that going, and it's all about us, 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 us. Pretty soon, God gets put away in the closet, and we start walking away from Scripture, and we start doing things that's based upon us. Now, concerts, Ball games, that's what they're centered on. They're centered on our entertainment. So you got people running up and down the stands selling popcorns and selling drinks. You got all kinds of things going on between the innings or between the quarters. There's all kinds of things going on to keep the people happy and excited. Our focus has to be on God. It's a different direction. Yeah, and I I think that's a powerful lesson for lots of us. I mean, we think, okay, from the standpoint of having the, the privilege of leading, serving in our, our worship assemblies, uh, for those who kick those assemblies off, I, I love how here at Charlestown Road, we begin by reading a psalm. And I think that's a great way of getting the focus on God. Now, the Psalms at times talk a lot about feelings, right? They, they, they talk a lot about the ups and downs of life, but week in and week out, that's a great way of from the very beginning. Maybe I did spill the coffee. Maybe I did step on the dog. Maybe it was a little bit of a tense drive in, whatever it is, but I'm going to sit down and the focus immediately is on God. Uh, for those who lead our songs, uh, we need to do that in a way that doesn't draw attention to, to us. It's not all about us, right? It, these are about singing to God and encouraging each other. For, for those of us who preach, for those of us who lead observances of the Lord's Supper, of course there's a, a time and a place for uh, sharing, you know, some sort of perhaps a personal anecdote, some illustration to draw out a, a larger point that maybe is relatable to some aspect of Jesus's life or some principle in Scripture, but we need to be really Really careful that we always keep God at the center and the focal point. And, and I would say, and this is something that I think a big part of our church family doesn't even know, but on Sunday morning and Sunday nights, uh, the men who are going to serve publicly, we meet in a room, we get all the mics on, we all go through what we're going to do, and then we have a prayer. And the prayer is to keep us reminded who we're there to glorify. It's not about us but it's about God. But a lot of places today like this spontaneous, free-flowing, no one knows what's going to happen next. It's exciting. And that's how a lot of folks want worship to be. No structure. This week we may do this. Next week we may do something totally different, upside down, inside out. Everyone's on the edge. Everyone's on their toes because no one knows what's going to happen next. 
And that puts the emphasis upon the unknown, puts the emphasis upon, you know, just spontaneity rather than upon God. Yeah, the whims of the leader, the, the whims, the, you know, whatever comes to the top of, uh, of whoever's leading that charge, their mind. And, and again, that, that's not a good place to begin. So, okay. Uh, we, we've talked our way a little through that. Let's look for just a minute or so at the, 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 the second idea. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me how I feel. Ask me what I know. So, Roger, for those of us, even this evening, we're anticipating being able to come together, but especially this Lord's Day, what sort of things can we know when we gather together for worship? Well, first of all, we're going to gather together, and it's going to be reverent. It's going to be a time to honor God. God's going to be first. We know that the Bibles will be opened. We know we're going to read from God's Word. To come to our assemblies and to leave without any Bible, something is totally wrong. We, we, will, we will read from the Bible. We will study from the Bible. We will bow our heads and talk to our God through prayer. We will sing praises to God, and we'll sing songs that's going to encourage us to follow him. But there, there's a sense of order, a sense of expectation. We know what's going to take place. And because of that, it helps us to to get our minds and our hearts ready to serve him as, as it should be. You know, I love how Psalm 19 tells us over and over again in a variety of different ways what we can know about that Bible you're referencing. I won't read the whole thing, but let me just remind you how David says, for instance, the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. And he goes on to describe God's communication to us in a variety of different ways Maybe I haven't had a great week. Maybe it's been a rotten weekend. But when I come to an assembly of Christians and God is at the center and his word is the standard and the well of living life, wow, I, there's a lot that I can know. Let me show you a little picture of a worship in, in our New Testament. It's found in Luke chapter 4 and involves our Lord Jesus. And it says in Luke 4, verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. And then the text tells us the quotation he makes from Isaiah. Verse 20 says, he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I think Jesus did what he saw when he was growing up. I think he did what's been going on for centuries in synagogues, and that is the word of God was read. It was talked about. Now, what's interesting here, when the book of Isaiah was first handed to Jesus, he didn't hand it back to the guy and say, Hey, how do y'all feel today? (laughs) He didn't do that, did he? He didn't say, you know what, we're not going to read from this today. I've got a story to tell you. He didn't do that. He didn't clap his hands. He didn't say, I'm going to go outside and bring my donkey in. He didn't do any of that stuff. It was very reverent. It was very dignified. It was appealing to the heart and the intellect of man. That's how the Bible's written. Uh, we, you know, if man was writing the Bible, we would have about 300 
pages about the word scourging. <laughs> it says Jesus was scourged. That's it. And we would talk about the blood splattering all over the ground. And we'd talk about the flesh peeling back and the muscles being exposed. It doesn't say all that. Now, we know that from history, but it doesn't say that. The Bible is not written to make us cry, make us happy, make us sad. The Bible is written to appeal to our heart, our intellect. This is something I can believe, I can trust. From that, I can, I can please my God. Then comes my feelings. But we need, again, to see in a, in a society and in a culture that thrives on feelings, uh, the Bible's kind of boring for some people, and that's why some people don't go to it. But we need to see how God wants us to be in this way. Facts, faith, and feelings. Getting those things in the right order with the right foundation. Such an important reminder, I think, for all of us here in the middle of the week. And Roger, I really appreciate you drawing our attention to asking the right questions from the right sources and hungering, thirsting for the right sort of answers. One more time, if you haven't had the opportunity to go back and watch, listen to that sermon. It is freely available at charlestownroad.org. You would be well served by going back and opening your Bible, following along with that good study. Roger, it is Wednesday. We're looking forward this evening, Lord willing, to 7 o'clock p.m. being together, not just gathering together and talking about, you know, uh, our feelings, our own experiences, but opening up the Bible, learning from God. You're going to be teaching in the auditorium this evening. Yes, we we are looking at the big umbrella, the big picture of a disciple honors Jesus, honors God. So the month of May, which we just started, we're going to be spending our time in the book of Proverbs. And tonight we're going to talk about the lifestyle of honoring, honoring God. And we're just going to walk through some of the principles we see in the first pages in the book of Proverbs. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we're kicking off a brand new month-long series on Wednesdays, asking and exploring who were the apostles. We're not just interested in learning their names or even their personal stories. We'll spend a little bit of time doing that, but we're going to dig into how did God use them? How should we look at them today? What can we learn from them? And this evening, we'll zero in on the fact that they were eyewitnesses of Jesus's resurrection. What does that mean, and why does that matter for us in the 21st century? That's what we'll dive into. I've got the privilege of preaching, Lord willing, this coming Sunday morning. Of course, it is uh, the day that our culture has set aside to honor mothers. It's Mother's Day, and I want to talk with you this Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., about Mother's who make a difference. And we'll look at that in a variety of different ways. Even if you are not a mother, there is plenty of things that we can learn from the passages of Scripture that we'll go back and look at, talking about making a difference for God in everyday life. Roger, 5 o'clock p.m. this Sunday. Sunday evening. I'm going to, since it's still Mother's Day, I'm going to talk a little bit about parenting and we're going to go back to the life of David and Absalom. That's just a a dark story between David and Absalom. And the expression was used, is the young man safe? And that's what we're going to take off on as we talk about the idea of some lessons we can learn as parents. Is the young man safe? 
Roger, thanks for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, because we get to come and honor our God. We would love to have you come and grow with us.